Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. Here is Josh and Lance. Bruz, what is up? Welcome to the Working Interferences Podcast, a dental advice show. I am Joshua Austin. And I am Lance Timmerman. Lance, I feel like maybe we should pick a song at the beginning of this show. <laughs> really? I, and I think... Uh, <laughs> you feeling sassy? I'm a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Are you familiar with the band Queen? I, I am familiar how about uh, maybe we are the champions, my friend? That might be appropriate. <laughs> you are listening, our dear listeners, to the number one rated podcast on the iTunes charts in the subcategory of medicine. Just let that sit for a second. Just let it just, you know, like a fine bottle of wine. You open it up, you aerate it for a second. You just let that sit. That sounds so good. Lance, how did we get to number one? What's going on? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I figured so, you slept with somebody and we were I, need to talk about I Well, I mean, that thing with Tim Cook has been going on for many years. Okay. So, yeah. you know, um, we, I, some point. I wish woke, I knew. I woke up Saturday morning and we were like in the top five. Uh-huh. And then I guess yesterday or today or something we hit one, and I think as, as right now we're at number two, mm-hmm. but we're, we're like in the conversation, which is unbelievable. What's weird is we've we've kind of stuck around. We we dropped out and then we cut, went back up. I I'll be honest, I haven't been paying attention to the charts at all until this weekend, and now I'm looking at it constantly, and we're we're hanging tough. <laughs> that would be even a better song. Yeah. Oh, I love the new kids on the block. Um, yeah, it's cool. So I, I'm assuming we've got, we maybe have a bunch of new listeners or something. So welcome to the show. Um, we, we're glad to have you here. We hope you enjoy it and stick around. Yeah, and get used to disappointment. Get used to disappointment. We, we have uh, we have an interesting show for you today. A little bit different format today. We're still going to do some questions. We only have two questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, uh, I hit the bricks for a question and went... Uh, on location, so to speak. So we'll get to that in just a second. But really quickly, you you were in Texas last week. I was. Our paths did not really cross because I went to go see Kois, uh mm-hmm. lecture. Uh, and so we didn't really... I was traveling on days that you were kind of around. You were in San Antonio for 12 hours or so, 15 no, I, hours. I think if we round up, yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. And then you sort of did the Houston thing. You went down I-35 from Dallas to San Antonio and then I-10 to Houston. And then what is it, I-30 up? 45? I forty five. Okay, yeah. I think maybe up from from Houston, Dallas. Yeah, nice. Uh, so I, I have I have one question for you. Uh oh. There was one restaurant that I told you. And is restaurant? I'm using the word restaurant loosely. It was <laughs> I, I I gave you one fast food place that you had to go to. Uh huh. And the name of that was Whataburger. Uh huh. Tell me what were your thoughts of Whataburger? Uh, I I was pleasantly surprised. Now um I I always compare everything to Dicks. I see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this fast food establishment. You're not familiar with the Dick's? name. I'm not. No. Oh, I totally thought you'd be a Dick's expert. But okay, <laughs> I'm not. I have 
no cursory knowledge. <laughs> no, Dick's is a nice little greasy spoon uh, burger joint. Cheap burgers here in Seattle. Um, okay. Part of the the ambiance and, and attraction is just it's just cheap and and it's good quality, but it's nothing. You're not gonna you would not call it a gourmet burger, right? And so. Uh, Whataburger seemed like a step up, but I would say probably kind of comparable to like In-N-Out. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it always is on the fast food lists. Okay, compared to In-N-Out, it, the difference is it doesn't have sort of a Thousand Island sauce as real like tangy yellow mustard. Right. Yeah, and their but, fries are really good. Yeah, yeah. I was I was pleased. I, I think I had the patty melt. I'm, I tend to go the patty melt route, and my wife had the regular burger and yeah, stuff. Nice. So. Yeah, I, if I'm gone from Texas for a few days and come home, that's kind of like what I hit on the way home from the airport. Oh yeah, okay, little comfort food. Absolutely. So nice. we we in Texas are um, defensive about Whataburger. We oh, yeah? love it. It's it's okay. it's very much a part of Texas. Okay, and it's right. starting to branch out. You can find them in Oklahoma. You can I think there's a couple in New Mexico, a couple in Arizona, uh, Louisiana, maybe a little bit, but it's a Texas thing for sure. Okay. Nice. 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 Uh, well, Lance, we have a new segment today. Okay. Uh, and we'll get to that in just a second. But before we get there, uh, for all our new listeners, this is an advice show. We answer your questions. We answer questions from our listeners. We answer questions we find on all those neat little dental Facebook groups. We answer questions from Reddit. We strive to help dentists and dental team members with our own unique brand of advice. So please... We need your questions. And we actually have a few questions piled up that we're going to get to in the next couple weeks. So if you send in a question, not to worry, we will get to it. Um, but we still need more questions because this this train has left the station and it's only going to suck up more fuel. And the fuel <laughs> is your questions. They are the sustenance that we crave. You can submit your questions to workinginterferences at gmail.com. Now, we don't want just any question, do we, Lance? F- no. We don't want a bunch of boring questions like, what's the best matrices? Because we all know that copper bands are the best matrices <laughs> of all time. We want the tough questions. We want the questions that Gordon Christensen cannot answer. So for question one, we are going to go to a new segment uh, called Impose on the Expert. So let's head over and listen to that segment. So we had several questions that all had the same gist. They all kind of pointed towards the same idea. And so we're going to start a new segment in this week's episode called Impose on the Expert. And so I am literally imposing on an expert. I am uh, in this expert's living room at his kitchen table uh, recording this. Uh, And our expert today is Dr. Brian Mealy. Dr. Mealy, you are a board-certified periodontist. Right. You uh, are the director of the residency program uh, here at uh, UT Health San Antonio Periodontics. Yes, right. You are a involved in the board certification process for yes, Perio. I'm an examiner for the American Board of Periodontology. Okay, and have been in leadership and AAP before and all right. of that. Yeah, board of trustees, and I was a director of the American Board for six years, and etc. So we have like a real life periodontist. <laughs> A, yes, a real one. One for whom a day without surgery is like a day without sunshine. So I still see patients. Good. And that's <laughs> that's important. So we got a question, and we got several questions that all had the same idea. So we sort of just pulled one of them that kind of best summarized okay. the issue we're talking about. So I'm going to read it now. So this question is from uh, Vivian. And Vivian asks, 
Actual debate happening in our office. Can you do a profi on a patient with early, early periodontitis if he's been made fully aware of the disease? He's informed and educated about it, but cannot afford it. If a patient is informed of the disease, is fully educated about it, signs a form that essentially states, and I'm paraphrasing here, I have periodontal disease at its early stage, but cannot afford treatment. How would I still, I would, however, I would still like to get my mouth cleaned uh, and healthier, yada, yada, yada. Is it illegal or unethical to do a general cleaning? Now, uh, Dr. Mealy, I don't know if you know the sort of gist of our podcast, but we typically uh, aim to give bad advice. So we'll just get that out of the way first, <laughs> okay. and then we can actually get into like some really real advice. So are you familiar with a, uh, a literary character named Christian Gray? I'm not. Okay, good. I'm actually very relieved that you are not. <laughs> so Christian Gray is a, uh, I would say, multimillionaire, uh, good-looking, very, you know, in really good shape, very dapper uh, business owner who also dabbles in... Uh, bondage and domination, sort of sadomasochism that's stuff. Why that's why I didn't know. It. That's what right you would know. And he he starred in the book Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay. And so in that book, uh, he finds a a young employee of his. I believe if I, I, I've not read the book. I've seen a part of the movie. Okay. Uh, as formatted for uh, Fox, so you can imagine that probably. <laughs> Three quarters of the movie was edited out at this point. <laughs> it was so, a 20-minute movie. Yeah, I don't know how much of it I actually got just by watching the edited version of it. However, I think it was his employee, and she didn't know she was into this stuff, and then he started doing this stuff to her, and it oh, turned okay. out that she was really into it. So, you know, this guy's not really into scaling. Maybe he just doesn't know he likes it. So okay. some sort of uh, periosexual papoose board. <laughs> Of sorts, and we just strap this guy down, and we scale his teeth. You could try that, whether we have permission or not. And and yeah, I you know I, I feel like that would be not only not only would he then have better gingival health, but he might have a new awakening into yeah. an interest that he may have in some sort of yeah that he uh, may not have known yet. fetishistic um, <laughs> clawed neighbors type of. Uh, of scenario, and then he might be back in your office every three months for more, and and maybe even more free. Maybe on like one month recall or something. <laughs> you know, you have you have sometimes run into to patients that are that need that. You know, and maybe it's more of a like, hey, you got three millimeter pockets everywhere, and there's not a spot of blood on probing, but you're here again. And I like, scale them again. I wonder yeah. why they're there. Right? Yeah, that may be it. That may be it. So we're going to start calling those patients periosexuals. <laughs> So okay. we're going to call them the people. I probably that, won't use that term. Okay, <laughs> I don't. I, I would actually lobby that you talk to the AAP about adding that into uh, the okay. official diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that coming up for the AAP, that'll be official diagnosis of of the of, of periodontics. You put that in your textbook? Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> I was at I was at a John Coyce lecture this weekend, and uh, Coyce uh, cited your textbook. I was very excited for you. He must have been bored. You didn't seem to care all that much. <laughs> I think I told you of Coyce. I appreciated, I appreciated your message, but uh, if Coyce cited me, you would not be able to get me off of cloud nine for the rest <laughs> well, of my life. The books are old. It'd be like citing Moby Dick. Uh, I, <laughs> it's hard to hard to get all that excited about it. So tell me. First off, is there, from an ethical standpoint, how do you feel about this? So it sounds like the patient, uh, the, the dentist or the hygienist has informed the patient that he's got a disease, that the right treatment is X, uh, but the patient knows there's a, a different treatment or a substitute treatment in his mind. 
And so that's the one he wants, probably because of cost and or just lack of knowledge of, of what the other procedures involve. So that actually comes up, I think, more, more often than we think uh, in periodontics, probably even in restorative dentistry. So, yeah, you know, I think that uh, there's, a, there's a couple options. The question that the, uh, the questioner asked was, is it legal? And I don't know if we're really talking about a legal standard of care here or not, but the easiest way to meet the legal standard of care is to do the therapy and don't charge the patient for it. Um, I mean, that's the easiest. Sure. You know, that's the that's the bailout. Of course, it's the one the patient wants, too. Yes. The, yeah. Because this this question specifically said that he could not afford it. Right. Yeah. So cost is the barrier here. Yeah. So if he can't afford a full mouth reconstruction, you could do that for free, too. But you wouldn't. Right. So, yeah. Pr- pragmatism takes over and the real world kicks in. <laughs> yeah, and, and exactly. So 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 I think, again, if the patient truly is informed that not doing this particular treatment is not in his best interest. What some people call either against dental advice or informed denial, like we have informed consent. So long as you have that and the patient signs it, then you've met the standard of I've informed the patient of what's sure. the proper thing to do. But then the next question is, do I just do the kind of, right. I don't know if I can say half-assed on your, on your podcast. You can say, you can, I, I just, just did. coined so, the term periosexual, so, so you can say anything you want. So, so it's kind of really a therapy that may help the patient's gingival condition, but it's not going to help the deeper structures. So, uh, so then the question becomes, is that simply then hiding the deeper disease? And uh, again, if somebody asked me, what would I do? I would tell the patient, this is what you need, the deep cleaning. This is a treatment plan. If the patient does informed denial and something as simple as doing a polishing could help his marginal gingival health, I actually think it's fine to do that. Uh, telling the patient that this is really not the treatment that you need. Um, I can't really relate it to another uh, another dental thing, but uh, I think about something like a cancerous lesion that you know, breast cancer would be a, an example, that you know the patient needs a complete mastectomy and have nodes resected, but the patient says, I just want this lump removed. Are you going to do that? I think in that particular situation, you wouldn't. So informed denial would equal no treatment. Yeah, because that's a, the the alternative therapy, the the lumpectomy or whatever, is still an invasive procedure. Yeah, that's and there's true. still going to be costs associated with it and all of that. So, so, so this is, I mean, that's a. I appreciate the analogy. I think it's a good one um, from an ethic. It's just a good ethical question. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of a libertarian, and and when I say kind of, I mean I am a real libertarian. Why, why doesn't that surprise me? <laughs> I so much so that I tried to con myself into voting for Gary Johnson in the last election, and then he did some interview, and I remember watching it, just like, shaking my head, saying, "I can't, I just can't." I'm not doing it. I tried, I tried really hard to like this guy, and it didn't happen. But I still believe in in a lot of libertarian principles. I'm not as crazy as like Ron Paul is, where he wants to legalize yeah, yeah, yeah. heroin and cocaine and you know everything and just let the free market determine everything and, and whatnot. But I do think here, you know, I do think people have the right to make a decision about their health care. It may not be the decision that we agree with, but every person has that right. And if you've done your educating mm-hmm. and the patient chooses against it for whatever reason, it's it's not our it's not our place as a practitioner to validate or invalidate their reasons. We don't we can't put ourselves in that person's shoes. We don't know what's going on in their life. We don't know what past experiences they're drawing from. We don't know any of that stuff. So if someone makes a decision and you've informed them what the risks and benefits are, 
how can you deny them of that basic human right to be able to to determine what their path in life will be? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a valid argument. So long as the, uh, the when I use the word ignorance, I'm not doing that in, in right. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Yeah, they right. Just don't really know. So long as their uh, their ignorance of their condition and the treatment they desire is truly not in their best interest. I think this example is actually a pretty easy one because the because the the questioner clearly said that the patient has early disease. Right. If the patient had more advanced disease, sure. You know, maybe we have a different uh, a different question. Or is it legal for me to pose you questions? Absolutely. Okay. So unless they're really hard, and then I'll say it's illegal. <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet now. <laughs> no, no, go I'm ahead. Uh, so, so what if you had a patient, which happens to me, um, unfortunately, too frequently, who comes in and uh, they have decided that they want a whole bunch of teeth out because their chief concern is I want implants because they have the internet and now they know everything. So they have they want implants, and yet they have teeth that are restorable, uh, they are maintainable periodontally, and uh, maybe not all the teeth you know, we're talking about, but a large majority of them. And the patient says, look, I don't want any of that. You know, I had a root canal once and it didn't work out. So now I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to do that periodontal surgery or all those crowns. I just want my teeth out and I, I want implants. So then that's the patient's choice. It's a stupid choice in this particular case. Sure. But it's the patient's choice. So then is it okay to do that? That you're right. That's a, a much different kind of question because of the invasiveness of their option, right? And there's no going back from that. You do a profi on this guy. You, it's not going to hurt you. Him. Yeah, you haven't bought the shop, right? You, right? you you take that patient that you're referring to. You flap them open. You take out all their teeth. You you take a football burr to their ridge and mm-hmm. and drop it down way low, and then drop four implants on it and do an all in four. There's no going back from that. Right. That's true. So I think that's a, a tougher question. You know, you do, yeah, you do have the patients where you see that that have a complex restorative treatment plan and probably a complex periodontal treatment plan, and mm-hmm. and maybe they need some endo as well. And then we're talking interdisciplinary stuff and whatnot that just think to themselves, maybe it'd be easier to do an all on four or whatever. Yeah. Typically, cost. Yeah. Is it's, is it's the barrier to that and, right. and and keeps them out of that. So yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think here I'd I'd have no problem doing the profi on the guy because at the very least, even if you just took off the surface tartar, he's still leaving better than he came in, yeah, right? I agree. I think I think that's true. Is uh, there yeah. research on that? Is uh, uh, well, that'd be a tough study to do, but you can you can help some gingivitis with that kind of super gingival sure. cleaning, knock off the calculus that you can see. But again, it's not going to help. You know, deeper to that. Right. But that doesn't make it a bad treatment. Right. Unfortunately, the reality is a lot of times, even when we think we're doing really good scaling and replanning, we're not. We're not. Right. And so sometimes we've kind of accomplished the same endpoint by actually charging the patient for scaling and replanning and not doing as good a job as we hoped we would. Do. Sure. The, the, I want to go back to this libertarian argument because uh, let's say you have a little class three curious lesion on the mesial of number eight, and the patient says, yeah, but I want a gold tooth. So the patient wants a full crown, which, and he wants it to be gold, so that violates your aesthetic sense, let's say, but that's what he wants. Is that okay? I would say yes, because we take people who want veneers and have no decay, no you know other obvious reason to do it other than just aesthetics, and we 
trim down their enamel and okay. put porcelain on that. So, so maybe that argument, which is a disease-related one, it's caries, small caries lesion, but it, I've often gotten in this discussion about a patient's aesthetic sense. Sure. And they want a certain thing, and you right. kind of go aesthetically, whoa, mama, yeah. I wouldn't want that. Right. And yet, if it's not harmful to the patient. Sure. Why not? You know, that's okay. Right. So I'm okay with that libertarian argument because of this. I'm not going to photograph it and, like, show it in my lectures. <laughs> Other well, than unless it's other, really pretty, other than like a antiquity of history, but yeah, I mean, it's if it had the Texas Rangers symbol <laughs> on the front, I'll bet you would do that. At this point, uh, the only thing that deserves a Texas Ranger logo would be something that goes in the other end, not not in the mouth. It was a rough year so far, rough year. The thing about this question, the sort of supervised neglect, which I hate that word, I, or I hate that phrase yeah. because. That's sort of the nature of dentistry. Mm-hmm. Dentistry is very much a let's try to slow down the progression of your mouth falling into garbage. Right. I over a span of 100 years. This just is what it is. The, mm-hmm. You know, teeth get used a lot. Yep. And it's they, like a car. Right. And they break down and wear down. And, and our goal is to slow that down as much as possible. And so the idea of supervised neglect... Uh, <sighs> I guess I've seen practices where, where someone's come in as a new patient. They're like, yeah, I got my teeth cleaned every six months with so-and-so. And you're looking at their mouth and they've got five millimeter pockets everywhere. That to, but that to me is not supervised neglect. That's unsupervised yes, neglect because they never measured it, right? The idea of, of, yeah, we have patients that have a lone five here or there. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult to talk, you know, it's it, to put that patient through non-surgical scaling and root planning for a single solitary five that isn't all that inflamed and isn't getting worse and what i don't color that supervised neglect necessarily i I agree uh, because in particular periodontal disease uh, again sometimes even really good treatment depending on the patient may not be as successful it is in another patient but but that's different than the patient who has been spending you know five ten years getting kind of not very good let's say periodontal maintenance and then the dentist, or it's usually the dentist, not the sure. dentist, frankly, who says, well, let's, yeah, you'll be fine. Let's see you again next year. And then eventually our fives or sixes or sevens or eights or nines. Right. And then we say, you know what? We should take your Then we're up out. a creek. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. When this can get you into trouble is when you have a deal. When you have the forty nine ninety nine exam, x-rays, and cleaning, and someone comes in and they've paid their forty nine ninety nine or whatever, and they want their cleaning. Right. And I think that you know you mentioned one of the options that you have is to do the treatment and eat it. If you are doing deals like that, I first off I say don't do deals on on profi stuff on no, initial. You want to do a deal on on an exam and X rays, great, but don't lump a profi in that because not everybody needs a profi. Yeah. This is when people feel like they're getting baited and switched. Yeah. When you advertise that deal and they come in, oh by the way. You need a thousand dollar deep cleaning. Yeah. They they get a raw feeling yeah, about that. They feel like you gave them a loss leader, and now you're going to hit them with the real absolutely uh, the real deal. So I, I just anytime I see someone offering a deal that has a profi involved in it, I, it that seems like a bad idea. I would agree because you're offering a deal on a treatment with no diagnosis. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. So, so do, do something better. Sweeten the deal on the exam and X rays. And, yes, and then, or a credit towards something or something like that. Yeah, you wouldn't you know, say uh, forty nine dollars for an exam, uh, X rays, and an endo. 
Yeah, that would. Oh God, <laughs> shoot me now. Because it'd be treatment with no diagnosis. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Andrea had a couple of thoughts. You know, she said she's worked at places in the past when she was younger dentist where they had you know some sort of of exam, X-ray, cleaning deal, and when somebody needed scaling and replaning, they would put that towards their scaling, you know, put whatever, oh, right. you know, we'll, we'll give you a credit, a profi, normal price, 75 bucks. We'll put 75 bucks to your first quad or whatever. But I think even still, then you like, then you're still hitting them with a, a yeah. fairly large. They still feel like somewhere the deal turned out not to be so good. For absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they leave you a crappy Google review and it's just, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bad, a bad deal. Do you, from a hygiene perspective, and I asked you this. I mean, you're not a hygienist. Your daughter's a hygienist. Mm-hmm. Um, can a hygienist? Hygienists are an interesting bunch. Uh, I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't mean that. I hope you're listening. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but I do mean that hygienists are collectors. They collect tartar, and for a hygienist to see that there's a click of tartar and not go after yeah. it yeah. is a very it's a tough. Thing it's a for difficult them thing, yeah. right? It's a very difficult. It, de- it devalues them as a person. Absolutely, it's like taking. It's like taking a, to use a baseball uh, reference. Adrian Beltre, who's who's one of the Rangers' best players, so he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Three thousand three thousand yeah. hits, love five five hundred home runs when he's done. He's a free swinging guy, swings at a lot of stuff. That's like trying to tell him to go up there and just watch four balls go by. Like that's really hard for Not him to happen. do. Right. Um, and so, do you think a hygienist can? Just get the surface stuff, knowing that they're leaving stuff behind. I have a feeling Colleen would have a really hard time. She yeah. would try to sneak that scaler down there and see if she could get whatever off without hurting them. I agree. Essentially, what's going to happen is that hygienist is going to end up doing some therapy for free. Sure. And calling it a clean. Just because that's their nature. That's, that's their the nature. nature of the beast. You right. can't leave. It'd be like us leaving carries behind. Right. Or you know, a tooth that clearly needs to be extracted. Right. Now, don't take that one out. Right. Except that Jim Summit taught us to leave carries behind. No. <laughs> Don't you say that. He was my boss. He did. He We, we were a lot of... There's a, an article by uh, out of the Medical College of Georgia called Mertz Fairhurst. Those were the two authors of, of the study. And basically, if the DEJ is clean... You just leave it there. Especially if you're getting near the pulp. Interesting. So that's sort of where we're at. In, and this has been since I was in school. And of course, you know, the interesting thing was is they teach you... You know, we had operative starting in spring of freshman year then we have operative in sophomore year preclinic and then we had you know obviously junior and senior operative they teach you that you know very minimally invasive leaving affected dentin behind leaving a lot of stuff behind and then until the reb happens and when the reb comes for that one weekend <laughs> you, you forget way. all of that stuff <laughs> and you go and and you just Take everything you can. So it's like that would be like sort of you guys teaching, like, all right, leaving Just a little leave bit here until the board exam and for that one weekend do everything different than we've taught you. But then after that, then you go back to the way that we taught you. It's, yeah. it's a really yeah. it's a really difficult when thing. When I was a general dentist, I lived in uh, the Netherlands in Holland for three years, and I often saw uh, Dutch patients who had terrible recurrent caries underneath yeah. their then amalgam restorations. So I'd take those things out, and there was just caries like crazy underneath. So I asked them, when you went to the dentist, did, did they remove all the cavity? And they said, I actually asked Dutch dentists this. They said, well, because uh, local anesthetic was not included oh, in the nationalized no. uh, health care system, oh. most patients didn't get local. So they would just keep removing the soft it, yeah. caries until they felt it, and that's where they'd fill it. 
Uh, and so my whole concept of leaving carries comes from that background, which makes me not want to see leave. this is the second time between me talking about my libertarianism and you talking about how how nationalized health care is a problem because they didn't include uh, anesthetic. We're going to have Alex Jones come in in just a few minutes and start start talking about uh, the Trump agenda. Um, I had an idea that I think it, 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 in an ideal world would work perfectly and I think would be great. Obviously, this isn't an ideal world, and this would never work because people aren't honest. But really and honestly, when you look at how fees of hygiene should be done, it should be done by ten min- by the 10-minute. You pay by the 10-minute, yeah, whether that's like for scaling. Attorney. Absolutely. Yeah. Because there are some people that have a really hard profi. And there's some people that have easier scalings, right? Some yes, patients, right. some patients' tartar comes right off, and then you yeah. have other patients who have three millimeter pockets everywhere, but they have tartar that almost needs like a seventy nine oh one burr to get it off, yeah. right? <laughs> so I think in an ideal world, that's kind of how it should be. Yeah. If it takes Colleen forty minutes to do a profi, then it's X number of dollars. If it takes her forty minutes to do a scaling, it's the same thing, maybe plus a you know a. anesthetic fee or whatever to pay for for the the disposables related to that. But that really seems like that would be the ideal way to customize treatment based on a patient. I I hate to use my economist uh, point of view. Right. That rewards being slow. Right. Well, actually, no, it, yeah, it, it does. It absolutely does. Or it rewards you lying about being slow. Yeah, exactly. It rewards people who are really fast but so you've worked say that they're slow. Too? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it took them four and a half hours to write one letter. Exactly. Like, he has a form letter. You ran it off of your Microsoft Word and signed it. Actually, you didn't even sign it. You put a stamp on it, and you put a 39-cent stamp on it and send me a bill for $550. <laughs> so that's what, that's what... But I think patients would probably feel that way, unfortunately. Sure. That's what, that's what it, it would turn into. To you. Yeah. Um, one I, of the things I got to go off on that. Yeah, no, go ahead. One of the things we have in in the new digital flow world is that exact problem. You probably face this same thing. You know, if I'm planning a complex implant case, I take two hours of my time at night to yeah. work through the case, plan it. Don't Andrew and I got in an argument last night about. <laughs> Because I just got a new like PC laptop to start doing Blue Sky Plan and, okay. and all that yeah. and and yeah. uh, and printing models and printing uh, all of which surgical guides do on your time right and, and then the patient's going to come in yeah and I'm not even the one that's going to place the implant right six implants. yeah except got, why did that cost twelve thousand dollars except I'm not the one that's going to be placing the implants I'm going to be doing all the planning for oh. Clint Falk or Ed Lorenzana well, or Chris worse. Walker or Eric <laughs> Rindler and so I'm the one <laughs> but here's the deal here's what I told her I was like. I believe in my heart that restoratively driven treatment plans are the way to go. And what better way for me to be intimately involved and have a restorative driven treatment plan than for me to spend a little time in blue sky bio and plan it out. Right. And now at some point, you know, if one of my periodontists wants to step up and really start helping me with this and doing it and maybe me doing half, they doing half, whatever, you know, they might start seeing a greater percentage of all of my patients. Right, right. So well, that makes sense. Yeah. So Ed, if you're listening to this, you know what to do. Clint, if you're listening to this, you know what to do. Chris, if you're listening to this, you know what to do. Eric, if you're listening to this, you know what to do. Well, I just, it bothers me when a patient, you know, when they get a really big bill. Sure. And they go, Brian, that only took an hour. You're not a brain surgeon. And I go, Right. Well, it took an hour because I spent... I spent three hours yeah, right. of my time, right? And doing it. you know, God knows how many hours of of learning the software before sure, that. And, sure, but they don't ever they don't see that part. And I, I think I can't remember who said. I believe John Coyce told this story at towards the end, and he it was the idea of it was the idea of 
you know, a patient saying how little time it took. Uh, and I don't remember exactly the exact allegory, but basically the retort at the very end was, no, you're wrong. It didn't take me an hour to do this. It took my whole life. Ah, Basically meaning go. it was good for him. All the training all the that went into this and yeah. the education and learning the software yeah. and all the stuff involved with that. And right, so right. that's, that's, that's a, a good, uh, that's a good retort. Uh, <laughs> yes. Of course, I hope it doesn't come with a middle finger but from a, the patient. As your patient, your, if you <laughs> drop six implants in a patient, they're still like, they're uh, still on Versed. You're, you're they not are. even, yeah. the only person who's saying something is a person that drove them and they're, they're sitting <laughs> out in the, in the lobby. Yeah. Yeah. But when they get the bill there, there's, there's often an eye opener. And I, and I sometimes wonder if we ought to talk to them about, you know, how long it takes. Sure. I think they see that with dental hygienists, like scaling root planning patients, who have to come back a couple of times. Well, right. why can't you just do this all at once? Well, because it actually takes longer than right. that. Uh, so then they're getting their money's worth from a time standpoint, too. One more question that I had for you. Th- sure. This came up in a study club session. I think it's along the same idea. Um we had a study club session last week where we had specialists on one side of the room, so uh, ortho, perio, OMS, endo, and they asked questions of general dentists like, how do you guys do this? How do you guys do that? And then we did the same thing back to them. And and I had a question for perio in that, hey, I've got a patient that comes in aggressive, chronic, either aggressive or chronic, moderate to severe periodontitis, a patient that's going to need some osseous surgery. Mm-hmm. Is there any point in me scaling and replaning? Should I just get them to you and you just numb them and flap them and clean it? That you know, clean it. And and so I thought my hunch was going to be like, yeah, just let's just get to it. Send, forget you, your hygienist blindly flailing at some tartar in, in an eight millimeter pocket. Just send it to us. Let me get that tissue out of the way, and then I'll really get all the tartar. What they say? They said absolutely not. Do non-surgical <laughs> treatment first. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I think that depends on the on the individual patient. So I'll give you an example. Uh, that I call it straight to surgery. So when will I go straight to surgery? A couple instances for me. One would be if the patient had their scaling root planning done in my ref, in the refer, referring dentist's office, uh, because then they've had that sure. done. Which and, would be most of the time, right? Which usually in my case it is most right. of the time. The other case, even if it isn't. Uh, sometimes for localized aggressive periodontitis, the going straight to surgery is a good thing because those people are often teenagers. Uh, they need oral hygiene instructions, but they really don't have calculus associated sure. with it. So that's a good example of when to go. And then the other would be the main reason I like scaling and replanning done, even when I know I'm going to need to do surgery, is because it makes the surgery a lot cleaner. The amount of yeah. inflammation is much lower. I think patients heal better. There's no data on that, but I think they do. So if you here's a good example. A patient that smokes who has very minimal actual gingival inflammation. Now you can poke and poke and poke, and they just don't bleed. But they have seven, eight millimeter probing dubs. And you know there's calculus at the base because you can see it on the x-ray. And you also know, at least in my incompetent hands, I'm not going to get calculus sure. off eight millimeters deep. That's a patient. If they have good oral hygiene which a lot of times has come from my, the general dentist's office. They're good coaching and you know uh, teaching by the hygienist and the dentist. That's a case where I do sometimes go straight to surgery. Right. So I don't like to throw a big blanket over every patient. Sure. Nope, always do non-surgical first. But most of the time, I would say that's the approach I use, with, with, with those exceptions I mentioned. And that's a lot of what Walker said. So you taught him well. He was. He was one of your residents. <laughs> he did bring something up that was interesting to me, though. He did say there are some programs that are surgery programs and some programs that are not surgery programs. Yeah. And that surprises me. That's like saying, like, oh, we don't 
you know, I could go to do an AEGD or something. Yeah, they don't teach porcelain crowns. Like, what do you mean they don't? That there's programs that don't teach surgery. That's a fundamental part of perio, is it not? It is, and and that was a much bigger uh, issue in the 1990s, where you'd have programs that were reading the research in a certain way that said that really the the key parameter you and I should look at is bleeding on probing. If there's no bleeding on probing, an eight millimeter probing depth is just fine. Just leave it there. And then, not better, sorry, more data uh, came out uh, that said, you know what, that's actually not correct. That one of the biggest risk factors for progressive disease is bleeding on probing, but in particular, uh, when it's associated with deep probing depths. So even deep probing depths that don't bleed are associated with, you know, a higher risk of progressive disease. So most of that, those non-surgical programs, uh, that's, there's a lot less of that today than there were even 10 years ago. Sure. So I, I at least the uh, I know they are. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they have to. T- they've got to teach surgery now. Just uh, just that was an interesting thought that I'd never yeah. even. Uh, my my own program used to be that way. 20, really? Okay. Twenty five years ago. Okay. When I was a resident, I was in the Air Force program associated with the San Antonio program, but very very different. The San Antonio program was very much a non surgical program because they were reading the data really well. Uh, that program was led by a stud. Uh, peridonist and uh, just read the data that were available at that time in such a way that there's very few cases where you need surgery and as as it turns out with more data that's probably not correct so things have shifted more towards surgery being at least an option that is offered to a lot of patients nice so just to rehash this question as long as you've informed the patient, do the profi. Do the profi. Like as long as you've, but the key is you got to inform them. Yes. You can't throw them a flyer. You know, throw them a little brochure or whatever, and hit the bricks and expect that to be a, an right. adequate informed discussion. Agreed. You have to really educate the patient. Yep. And if they choose to do the profi, especially in this question, because this question seemed to me is they can't afford it now. Right. So, to me, the the win out of this situation is to help is to educate the patient make them happy in this time of need and they're going to remember you when times change a little bit maybe in a few months or a year or whatever and they decide to do the scaling they're going to come back to you because they're going to remember what you did i agree as opposed to just kicking them out the door and making them feel like a heel and all that kind of stuff and and so i you know i I think my personal opinion is try to be you know try to be ron paul about it don't judge people too much let each person make the the decision that that's right for them at the time do your best to make them happy I think you brought up some examples of you know doing all in fours on on people that maybe aren't aren't there yeah, yet or whatever. That's that's kind of, but in thing. this situation, do the profi, get off the stuff you can without hurting them, yep. and make it easy for them to leave the office with some dignity, and they'll remember that they're going to come back, and and then you'll get to do that scaling eventually. I think so. I, uh, one thing, just as one caveat to that statement, though, I think dentists use informed denial much less than we should. Absolutely. Attorneys think so too, and yeah. so does the state board. So if you're a physician, you have an AMA against medical advice template on your word doc, on your on your word process. Right. So I think we should do that in a patient's case like this, even the informed denial can be worded in a way that doesn't make the patient feel like a cad. So it's simply patient declines scaling and replaning at this time due to cost. But patient is aware that that is the recommended treatment. Something like that is going to help the dentist in, just in case. Yeah. And it still gives the patient some dignity to be able to say, okay, I can change my mind later. And by the way, I think that form needs to be signed by the patient, not just typed in your, in oh, your absolutely. dentist's, in yeah, your yeah, dentist's sure. entry. But I think the real, I, 
to me, the real lesson here, and I think what you're trying to say, and I'm reading it through subtext, is that every dentist should own a Lenap, and that this should be a patient that you use a laser, a laser well, on, laser-assisted. <laughs> That's sort of a callback to a back joke between, between Brian and I, uh, who is, uh, when I asked you about laser-assisted perio, I believe you said, I'm hopeful, I said, but my skeptical. mind is wide open to all new possibilities, but skeptical of all new things. So it just means I really do think there's a great future ahead for new technology. But anytime something new comes out, right. as I tell my physician when he wants to give me something new, show me five years of dead guinea yeah. pigs, and that's when I'll use it. So that's kind of how I feel about dental I love it. Too. And I, I thought about you today. I was I was uh, on uh, on Reddit, uh, which we, we talk about a lot on this show. There's an article on the San Antonio subreddit uh, that – from uh, some some animal research center, I'm assuming it used to be called Southwest Research. It's got a new yeah. name now. Mm-hmm. That uh, three baboons escaped from I their cage that. by using a barrel that was put in their cage for their enrichment. They climbed up out of the cage and got out and wandered around. And I remember you was it you? Did you tell me a story about you were you were doing at that facility research stuff? Doing you were doing research, research surgery on baboons. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got whacked in the face by one of them. And it started to wake up? Uh, yes, exactly. Oh, my Long, God. strong arms knocked my glasses all the way across the operating room. So, yeah. Yeah, that baboon was not asleep. You could have been killed <laughs> well, by a baboon, killed, which, I mean... I was badly enough embarrassed that I got whacked by a male baboon. <laughs> did it break your loops, or were you wearing loops? <laughs> no, I was wearing my regular glasses. Okay. So. <laughs> God, I just... For anybody who has like, well, I was like, oh, I was do- doing stainless steel crowns on a kid, and he turned over and yacked on me or whatever. Like, at least a baboon has it woken up and tried to tear your face off. So, uh, if any of your patients are baboons, um, make sure you have a good dental anesthesiologist, uh, Doctor Mealy. I really appreciate this. Thank you for allowing me to impose on sure, your uh, on your kitchen table. I really appreciate your insights, and thank you for putting up with my stupid periosexual jokes. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I know you well enough. <laughs> all right. All right. Good. All right. Back to uh, back to the show. Okay, Lance. Yeah. What did you think of the segment? What did you think of Brian Mealy? Oh, I think he's awesome. We got to have him back on. Super smart guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do for you, sure. Do, do you think that he is really going to ask the AAP to set up a new <laughs> diagnosis called periosexual? God, I hope so. That'd be so cool. God, that'd be cool. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, you should have seen the look that he gave me when I was telling him all about Christian Grey. It was <laughs> delightful. It was a delightful look of why are you in my house and should I call the cops now? How soon can we leave? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but uh, no, I thought he had some, some really interesting points. So tell me, Lance, what are your thoughts on the whole subject before we move on to the next question? And yeah. what's your idea of supervised neglect and all that sort of stuff that we got into? Well, I, I I totally agree. If it's if it, we're talking borderline gingivitis, periodontitis, you know, give them what they want, give them the prophy. Um, what I have, I'm I I really don't want to misrepresent myself. I am no expert, but every every once in a while, I have had legal cases sent to me to to review. Um, my perspective is always I will defend the dentist. I don't want to be attacking another dentist. So if it looks like it's indefensible, I'll just say yeah, settle. Um, I had a case that was interesting where. It really wasn't the patient getting upset. It was this patient found their way into a periodontist office, and they went. Um, they had they needed crown lengthening, but they were. It was a new patient right before the periodontist, 
And they they recognized the history of perio disease. They also recognized it was active perio. And what they ended up doing was they did a perio maintenance to try to kind of be nice to the patient. They they didn't do active therapy. They just said, well, we'll see how the maintenance goes, see how it goes. And they lost this legal case. Uh, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was a board complaint or, or full civil litigation, that kind of thing. But but the bottom line was they lost. And the, the signed informed consent didn't hold up. It did, nothing mattered. The fact was they had active perio and they didn't treat the disease. See, so, that stuff, it's it just like, then what's the point of getting a consent for anything? Exactly. That, that's, that's, what, that's what just rubs me the wrong way when I hear stories like that. Yeah, well, and... Uh, and I and I hate to be tainted by seeing other legal proceedings, but what I found is if I just tell Mrs. Jones, "Hey, look, it's you can do the therapy here or a therapy at a perio office. Um, you're not a profi." Um, most of the time, they I, I have like a 99 percent success rate. So it's, I'm not kicking people to the curb and, and kicking them out. They usually just do as I say. Um, well, that's the thing. It's like this is we we got a few questions on this. We've seen a few questions on hacks about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. I, it's as if this is happening every day in people's offices. And I can literally think of once in like the last four or five years that this has been an issue. Yeah. It just exactly. doesn't come up all that much. And so it's interesting, like there's this big outrage right now about it. But well, and I wonder how is it really an outrage or do we just get a whole bunch of really stirred up hygienists getting on a pedestal? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm a libertarian <laughs> and I think every person has the right to be able to make decisions that's right for them. Like just yeah. document it, get them to sign stuff. But it just pisses me off like when lawyers pull their lawyer shit and make consent, you know, consent yeah. forms, you know, not not matter or, or get thrown out or whatever. It's like, what's the point of even doing it then? What's the point of even getting a consent to do anything if yeah. none of them hold up? So well, and that's, that's the thing is if, if they're not qualified to even have informed consent, then why discuss it at all? Because they'll never be qualified. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a crappy thing. Um, yeah. I, I, I like making people happy. I'm a people pleaser. And so the idea of, especially like the way that particular question was phrased is, Hey, I'm having a hard time financially right now. I'd like to do something as opposed to doing nothing. Yeah. I know this isn't the full thing, but help me out a little bit and give me some dignity and I'll be, you know, and then they'll be back. Like they, yeah. they understand they have a problem. They, they disclose that several times. I don't, don't kick them to the, I, don't, I just feel like I wouldn't kick them to the curb because to me, something is better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And especially like in that incidence where it was kind of borderline, like, you know, right. gosh, borderline. That means if we're at gingivitis, that's the first, that's reversible. So sure. the, yeah, why not? Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, that's a crappy situation. Thank God that situation doesn't come up because, or it doesn't come up very often because most of the time when you're talking to patients about perio, they at least have an idea or it's been a few years or they know, you know, there could be something going on. You know, they, they sort of know most of the time. It's not all that common that you catch somebody out of left field. Yeah. saying like, Hey, you need four quads of scaling. And it just doesn't happen much. And I'll be honest, uh, exactly what he said, do it for free. I, I, on more than one occasion, I've done that, I, I, where I've just made sure they understood the value that I gave them and, and, and just yeah, said, yeah. And I'm, I'm okay with charity as long yeah. as I know it's going to be charity. What yeah. I don't like is when I think I'm going to get paid for it and then yeah. we get stiff, right? Yeah. Like that's, let me dictate when charity is going to happen. And by yeah. all means, like, especially on something like scaling where there's zero overhead, basically, other than just hygienist yeah. time, like, yeah. That's a great situation to give somebody something if if you feel like they need some help, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think you you when you do stuff like that, you make friends for life. 
Yeah. So anyway. Agreed. Well, we, we spent a bunch of time on that question, so we're just going to do that question and then a Reddit question. I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed by that. Do you, Lance? Nah, I, I would be shocked. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll catch you at some point down the road. We owe you a question. You'll get it. You'll get your questions. Don't worry. You're, you're getting everything you paid for. <laughs> so our Reddit question today Reddit. comes from Reddit user Naked of a Name. And Reddit user Naked of a Name asks, Husband scraping teeth with knife. Not just the plaque, the entire teeth up and down over and over. I woke up to that awful scratching noise and couldn't believe how hard I had to argue with him to stop. Of course, I don't have much of a leg to stand on since I've only been to the dentist once this millennium. Help (laughs) arm me with actual reasons why this is bad. Because my intuition isn't cutting it. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> oh, isn't cutting it on this one. But um, Lance. Um, <laughs> I, have have you ever woken up to the sound of Holly lying in bed next to you? Yes, scraping oh. her teeth with a knife. Well, I, I'll have to admit that no, <laughs> I have not. Like a buoy knife? Is that what we're... Uh, any kind of knife. <laughs> That's I, not a knife. This is pathologic. <laughs> this is psychopaths. Hannibal Lecter thinks this is over and beyond. Yeah, I got... A... This is... Hmm. This is a red flag. A red flag. Was it, was it like a menacing look in his face as he's scraping his teeth? And he's How can you death? not have a menacing look on your face <laughs> as you're scraping your teeth over and over with a knife? And up and down. I mean... Up and down. The whole tooth. <laughs> that's, um... That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. So, yeah. I, I mean, kudos for, for thinking of hygiene. And trying to do your best to, in, in between visits. I feel like <laughs> there are better ways to remove plaque and debride plaque from teeth than a knife scraped. I would, I would think so. Do you think he's going like gingival margin to incisal edge? I would hope so, right? Was that maybe, seems a safer... Was it maybe a modified bass technique with a, with a blade? <laughs> the knife. Oh, my God. <laughs> So, I looked at the responses on Reddit to this one. Okay. And the first one, let me see if I can find it. Oh, God. This just makes me shiver. Okay, (laughs) so the first response asked, is is he using his toe knife or just a regular knife? Lance, do you have any idea what a toe knife is? I I have no clue. This... I, I will tell. I did not know what a toe knife was. I know either. what a butter knife is. <laughs> I know what a butter face is. <laughs> I asked Andrea. I read this question to Andrea, and she, when I read the toe knife thing, she started laughing hysterically, and I was like, "Isn't that demented? Like, who yeah. would use a knife on their toe?" And so she said, uh, "She said it's a reference from Always. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Are you oh. familiar with that show? Yeah, yeah, I watched it for a while. Can't okay, so I'm... so Danny DeVito plays Frank Reynolds, and apparently Frank Reynolds cuts his toenails with a knife and like cleans the gunk and stuff out. And it's kind of a recurring oh. gag on the show, the toe knife. I wish oh. I would have known that, 
and I, I'm assuming that's what this person is referring to. Um, but I have to tell you, <laughs> the term toe knife really did send a shiver down my spine. I don't know why. I don't know why that creeped me out more than the idea of using a knife to scrape plaque off your teeth. Mm-hmm. The idea of using a knife to get out that like linty whatever out from underneath your toes. Toe jam? Toe jam. So, oh God, uh, <laughs> Jesus, Lance, this, is, this, is, this question is making me seriously nauseous. It's getting worse. Oh God. Um, so, so <laughs> I mean, you, you sort of, you, you kind of did the, the crocodile Dundee thing. And I really think that's a good option that the next time he does it, you pull out a bigger knife and you scrape your teeth with that knife and you say, yeah. that's not a knife. This is a knife. Uh, and, and. You know that's that may intimidate him a little, sort of alpha dog it back on him. That's so right. To speak. Yeah. Got to mark your territory. Uh, I really and on. I don't condone. I don't condone d- divorce, even though I've been <laughs> okay. through one. Okay. Uh, what I mean by that is, is I respect the sanctity of divorce. I can't. I, is, I don't know if that's a word. Okay. Or that's a phrase that should be muttered. But divorce is not an easy thing. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes uh, divorce is like endo. It, no one wants to go through it, but sometimes it's the best thing that can happen, right? Okay. I, I think this is. Yeah, you don't know, but <laughs> this might be a sign that it's it's time to leave your husband because I can really see this scenario right now. It's like in four years, one of those true crime shows that's on Investigation Discovery or one uh-huh. of those networks. Yeah, husband kills wife with a dirty knife. Dirty and toe cop, knife. Yeah, dirty toe <laughs> knife, dirty toe teeth knife. Cops go on the computer as they are want to do now. That's the first thing they do is start checking Google history and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They find this post from the wife, and that's where the show turns. You know, in all those crime shows, there's like a turn. Ah, uh, right. Do, do you know who Keith Morrison is? I don't. Google the name Keith Morrison. Those of you at home do this as well. Google the name Keith Morrison and tell me if, you, if he's familiar. You recognize him from anywhere? Come on. Come on, Google. <laughs> Come on. I got Josh's Google. I know. What's there the deal? I, I had all my stuff loaded up early this time. Oh, okay. Wait. This uh, Canadian broadcaster, white-haired dude. He looks yeah, he's, just, Dateline. he's on Dateline. Yeah, he's okay. on Dateline, but he's the best Dateline. There, you know, there's about five or six different Dateline guys. Yeah. Keith Morrison is by far the best one. He has this... He has this he has just this way of, of of crafting words and he has this voice and it just makes it really creepy. And so I can just picture <laughs> Keith Morrison saying, But that knife was used for more than just scraping teeth. Far more. <laughs> ah. That's exa- it's a it's a dead on impersonation of Keith Morrison. I've been working on that for <laughs> at least four and a half minutes before the po- podcast started. <laughs> awesome. This is this is going to turn into a Dateline episode. This this relationship. I She's see, waking yeah. up in the middle of the night, and her husband's laying, sitting up in bed, scraping his teeth with a knife. I mean, I <sighs> maybe he's got a nug, and he just has an itch that he can't scratch. <laughs> Or who was the, was it last week that we had the itchy tooth person? Uh, maybe. Yeah. I think it was last week. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he's got that, he got that itchy tooth. He got that itchy, itchy tooth. (laughs) I, I am 
petrified by this man. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any idea who this wife is and I don't know who the husband is. And he scares the bejesus out of me, Lance. <laughs> he scares the, this is like, I don't know if you had this deal when you were in college, like in high school and you would come, you would sneak out to uh-huh. go to a party or whatever and you'd walk in. And you're, I was always petrified that my mother would be sitting up for me, but in the dark. Right, you know? right. And, and and I would think I'd be in the clear because the lights wouldn't be on, and I'd sneak in, and then there she'd be. And you would just like, I, what I pictured in my mind, this never actually happened, what I pictured in my mind is a dark room, me thinking I'm in the clear, and then just like the red glow of a cigarette. <laughs> Where have you been? That That kind of deal, right? Your mom smokes? <laughs> yeah, she smoked for like 30 years. <laughs> she quit. Oh, God, this is such a whole story. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but okay. basically uh, last Christmas, I it was like two days after Christmas, I went to go check on her. I don't know. I just had this weird intuition to go check on her. Mm-hmm. I went to her house, opened the door, and she was on the floor. She, had, she didn't know what time or what day it was or whatever. She'd been down for hours and hours and hours. She had fallen and broken her hip. Mm. And uh, I got her up and called EMS and she asked for a cigarette and I knew, you know, I knew she was going to the hospital. I knew she was going to have surgery. I just didn't know if it was going to be a hip replacement or if they're mm-hmm. going to put a pin in or whatever. I, but I just knew there was something up, you know, there was going to need surgical intervention in her leg. And so she was going to be in the hospital for a bit. So I set her up and got her a cigarette and lit it for her and gave it to her. Cause I knew this was going to be the last one she was going to have. And so she might as well, you know, get, 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 uh, get a good, good sig high going before she got in the ambulance. And uh-huh. sure enough, that was her last cigarette. Cause she, they put her in, in the hospital and then she was in, you know, rehab for a while, like, uh, you know, orthopedic rehabilitation stuff for a while. And now she's in a assisted living place and oh, hadn't, wow. have a, hadn't had a cigarette since. So, wow. I guess I, that problem solved itself, huh? A little bit, a little bit. I can <laughs> totally see my parents. I walk in, they don't smoke, but I could see them taking up just for just that for effect. that, just for that moment, <laughs> just for that moment. Yeah, I feel like now that's going to be reduced because it's going to be a vape, and it doesn't make that same kind of glow. That's true. That's so true. you would just see a puff of white cotton in the dark. And that, you know, it wouldn't be that like orange glow that yeah. you would see from a cigarette. A little less menacing, yeah. Which I feel like I lifted that sight, that fear of that sight directly from the X-Files. I don't know if you remember that smoking guy. Oh, yeah. No one, yeah, that's sort of, I think that's where I would grafted that Back scenario to me, onto me sneaking back in from... You know, a party at uh, Chris Ozanis's house uh, when we when we got a couple of kegs of uh, of Natty Light, which was uh, always a good time. <laughs> That's good. Um, <laughs> what what are the Vegas odds on this husband killing his wife in her sleep? Three uh, to one. Yeah, I think the odds are pretty good. <laughs> I mean, this is <laughs> this is petrified. If you call, you could. I I honestly think you could call the police with this, and they would issue a restraining order without any question. If you did this to Holly, what would she do? Oh, I, I'd I'd be dead by now. I mean, it wouldn't last long. She's she doesn't take any shit. Andrew would kick my ass out of the house so fast. Lit, her brother's an attorney. Literally, there'd be a restraining order on me in five minutes. Scraping your teeth just in the middle of the night with a knife. That is pretty freaking weird. Oh my god, it's, it's psychotic. It's in the <laughs> DSM five or the DSM six. I don't know, whatever the. Whatever the new, um, you know, catalog of things that can be broken in your brain are, 
Uh, I think we're on the DSM six, uh, hmm. the diagnose the, the, the diagnostic or whatever. Let me look it up. Let me see what DSM stands for. You know what I'm talking about? I do not. So it's like all the <laughs> mental diseases, um, are cataloged in this book called the DSM, the huh. diagnostic and St- statistical manual of mental disorders. And they're on, it's put out by the American Psychiatric Association. So everything from like PICA to all the phobias to depression to bipolar, all that stuff's in there, right? Huh. I feel like this should be something. <laughs> scraping your teeth with a knife in the middle of the night next to your wife is something that should be in the DSM-6. Yeah, I think that might at least be an appendix. You got to leave your husband. He's going to kill you. <laughs> He's gonna kill you. Oh, that's signed Nicole Brown Simpson, huh? Look at that! <laughs> wow, cool. <laughs> Thank you for the question, Nicole. Oh, uh, Lance, I think that's gonna be about enough for tonight. <laughs> um, uh, I feel horrible about myself now. Uh, I'm making jokes about people that have been murdered. Awesome. Um, be sure and share with your friends. We didn't get up to, to number one on the iTunes medicine chart by not sharing with your friends. It was amazing. Last podcast, I said, share with your friends. And then what happened? Boom. Next thing you know, we're in the like top five, you know, so, so. Seriously, you got a colleague, a classmate, you know, someone you went to school with, a business partner, associate, whatever you think would enjoy the show, turn them on to it, you know, tell them about it. We build this, we build this podcast just like you build your dental business with word of mouth. So, um, use your mouth to make words to tell your friends that the working interferences are where it's at. Be sure and rate and review. Last I saw, we were at like 50 something ratings and reviews or like, five stars, 54, whatever. So keep that up. Keep doing it. It helps. I think that's part of what's pushing us up the ratings and the ranking. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, be sure and hit us up on our website, workinginterferences.com. Um, and then we are on all the social bullshits. Uh, Facebook, uh, Working Interferences with Josh and Lance. Instagram, at Winterferences. And Twitter, I think, is at Winterferences as well. Right, Lance? I think so. Awesome. Um, is it your turn for a song? Is it my turn for a song? Uh, your turn. My turn. Okay. Oh, and I'm, I'm, uh, Bianca would like me to clarify that that music choice for the black emo shit, that was yeah. all me. She, she's not a fan. She had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah. She's out of that phase now. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so yeah, it was all me. Awesome. Awesome. Um, uh, well, I, we all kind of knew that, but it was nice to get a little jab in, in at her. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> So my song uh, is going to be from a band called Foster the People. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. Foster the People is great. They, they have um, some of the best first names of, of any band. It's a three-person band. In the original band, they've, they've changed one person, and it has since lost some of the luster oh. as far as that goes. The, these were the, the first names of the people in Foster the People when it started. Pontius. Okay. Pontius Pilate is the mm-hmm. only other Pontius yeah, I know. So yeah. you literally named your child after the person that killed Jesus Christ. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> nice job, Mr. and Mrs. Um, I don't even know. I can't even tell. Yeah. Um, and then Foster is another person's name. Uh, and then Cubby Fink is the, is the <laughs> former bassist. And they replaced uh, Cubby with Sean. <laughs> um, Simino. So Cubby Fink was Pontius 
Foster and Cubby. Is is there a better name for a a trio in a, a better names for a trio in all of music than that? I can't think of any. No. Um. Yeah. So I think that's a that's a cool one. They had a they had a, a big hit song a few years ago called uh, "Pumped Up Kicks." It was kind of about school shootings. A gr- just a great you know uh, topic to write a nice little pop ditty about school shootings. Yeah. Uh, but this <laughs> one is going to be called. Uh, sit next to me, uh, which is a, uh, which is, is kind of their newest song and really, really good kind of burning up the alternative charts right now. Nice. Uh, and, and, and really worth a listen. So, uh, this is, uh, sit next to me by, um, foster the people. So without further ado, f- uh, for Joshua Austin or no, I'm sorry. I screwed that <laughs> up <laughs> for Lance Timmerman. I am Joshua Austin. Peace. Sit next to me